Welcome to the new month. This podcast is dedicated to those of us on the journey of evolution. Through these episodes, we will dive into the lives of individual people and discover what they have learned and how they have handled their growth. In this episode, Naya V talks about her transition from working as a stockbroker to becoming a medium and how illness urged this transition. Her journeying with ayahuasca, which she has taken numerous times, um, being connected to her past lives now in this life and dealing with the fear of humiliation from such a shift in career. And there's a lot of there's a lot of juice and gems that she talks about during that big transition. So I hope you enjoy. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for inviting me here. And wanting to be filmed. <laughs> I don't know about want. <laughs> Not a fan of being filmed. <laughs> oh, cool. So, um... Basically, usually the way we just start is just if you can just take a few deep breaths in. Okay. Okay, I feel sent. Nice. <laughs> And then just tell us how you're feeling right now. Uh, how am I feeling? A little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah, as I said, I'm not, um, not a fan of being filmed or doing any kind of public speaking of any sort. So, um, yeah, slight nerves in the belly, which is ridiculous, really, because it's only me and you. <laughs> <laughs> no one else is here. It's good that you can feel it, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, all good. Um, uh, I was thinking of said to you already we've been, I've been feeling a little bit stressed recently yeah. I think there's something going on galactically with the uh, with the stars and the moon at the moment because it's um, it's quite unlike me to be feeling stressed and out of sorts like that I'm normally very trusting the process everything's good everything's going to work out but right now I'm like ah, it's like daggers in my head so um, yeah. I've been trying to trying to work my way back into a positive state of being at the moment it's hard work <laughs> once you get out of sorts it's actually really hard work to bring yourself back so that's that's where I'm at at the moment yeah that's really interesting I feel like maybe we can just start that right there um mm-hmm. yeah obviously we've been talking about this now <laughs> don't repeat myself yeah but um what is it you said well once you get out of sorts yeah so it's so with me um I think well for, for everybody I think we are born into a world or society or whatever where we um just very, we're born into a world where we grow up with negative, a negative way of thinking. Like every, everyone's worried about everything, everyone's living in fear, everyone's stressed, everyone's tired. So we are literally, you know, in this negative state of being from the day we are born. Um, so our, you know, it's very easy for our, our negative thoughts to, to run wild. And I think one of the most important things that any of us can do for ourselves is to start to recognise that negative thought um, when it, you know the negative thoughts when it starts to when it starts to happen and to, to try and catch them and replace them with a the positive 
Um, and that can be really difficult because obviously when our negative thoughts are really big and then we're trying to replace it with this one tiny little like positive thought and you know, this, this, this one's going to like just you know eat that one up it's um it's quite difficult to do sometimes so it takes a lot of hard work um and, and a lot of time it's not something that can be changed overnight mm. but i know for myself i've been working with this for for quite a few years now so i've got quite used to catching the negative thoughts quite quickly and it's and it's great like it does work it takes time as i said it takes a lot of hard work but you, if you keep persevering, you do get there. Um, but it's just so easy for, for things to get out of control again. If you, you know, for, it, it, for me this time round, um, as I, and I've already explained to you, but this time round I um, I got back from Bali, which obviously there's nothing nothing negative about that. But I was jet lagged, and a few things happened that normally I'd just be like, okay, well let's work through this, let's be positive about it, let's trust in the process. But um, unfortunately, you know, with the jet lag, I was going to sleep, um, waking up in the middle of the night, so you have that stressed feeling of trying to get back to sleep. Um, obviously, you know, you, you can't get back to sleep, so you get more and more irate, and then the, the things that have been bothering you start to pop into your head, and it's three in the morning, and you're just like, ah, everything's driving me crazy. And of course, then, you know, you don't get any sleep, you get up in the morning, you're tired, um, and it's very, then it, it's, when you're tired, it's very difficult to catch those um, negative thoughts before they get out of control and it's mm. something that I've really noticed about myself in the past as well and I really do believe that this is something for, for mm. everybody yeah. as well um, you know I, I used to work as a stockbroker so I was up early every morning um, you know stressful job out with clients every night never had any time to myself but my thoughts I didn't realize how negative my thoughts were but now that I'm not working anymore and I'm able to get up when I'm ready to get up uh, and I get up, yeah, I feel fresh, I feel good. So it's, it's you know, if a negative thought comes in, I just catch it. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about life. Life's great. But if I have to get up at six in the morning to go on a course, um, my mindset changes entirely because I'm tired. I'm mm. too tired to catch the negative thoughts. I'm just like, I can't be bothered with this. It's, 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 it's too much effort. And everything's annoying me and everyone's annoying me and everything that would normally I'd be looking at it thinking, oh, this is all love and light. This is all great. And I'm like, um, so everything changes when you're tired. Um, so for me specifically, because I had a few things going on and I had the jet lag, it just got out of control very, very quickly yeah. and it became like a, the negative thoughts were like a pack of locusts that just got out of control. <laughs> Luckily yeah. for me, I mean, I'm very, very conscious of this, yeah. so I'm working very hard to bring that back into alignment. But even with someone who's as conscious as I am about it, it's still yeah. a tough process. And as I say, I really believe that this is something that everybody in the society that we, uh, you know, our society is set up to yeah. keep us tired and to keep us, you know, in fear and etc. So half of us don't even recognise that this is, I say half, I think I'm being generous there, <laughs> way more than half of people in our society yeah. don't even recognise that this is what is happening all the time with our thoughts. Yeah. And then our thoughts, with our thoughts we create. So, um, you know, when you're in a good, a healthy, positive state of being, you create a healthy, positive state of life. But when you're in the negative, um, the negative thoughts, it becomes even harder to get out of it because not only are your own thoughts, you know, going crazy in your mind, but then you're then creating more negative situations in your life as well, which you're then having to deal with that yeah. and the thoughts on top. So it's it's it spirals out of control pretty quickly. Yeah, like you said, yeah. with about the train in the morning. Yeah. But sometimes I wonder how much of it is in our control. In terms of... Um, As in, like obviously there's a... When you're completely unconscious, then it's not really in your control. <laughs> but 
I don't know. So you kind of described that you usually you're in more of a I don't know stable balance state. Balance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But maybe, and before that, when you were working, you weren't? Definitely not. Yeah. No, definitely not. And I was, in a, I was in a very negative state of being then. And um, I, was, I was wishing my life away. Every, I, just, I was very sick. Um, but I, and I was sick for six years, which is what eventually forced me to, um, to leave my job as a stockbroker. Yeah. Uh, I pushed through it for a long time because it was all I knew. That was my career. That's, that's how I defined myself. And how could I possibly survive without all that money I was earning, you know? Um, and that's, you know, I was, I was trapped in, that, in that, um, that way of thinking, as many people are. You know, I think we feel, you know, we, when we're in that place where you, you're earning money, you think nothing, nothing's ever enough, but when you're doing a job that's stressful, um, you're, you know, at the end of the day, you need to go out and have a massive drinking session to, you know, release all the stress of the day. You want to be wearing the designer clothes and driving a sports car because you deserve it because you're working hard for it. And you want a luxurious home to go home to, mm -hmm. to relax in. And you want, you know, the five star like luxurious holidays because that's, um, you know, you don't get many holidays and so when you do go away, you need it to all be amazing. So you find that you are spending a lot of money. Um, whereas actually when you're not working, your life's just not as stressful anymore, unless you create it in your own mind, of course. But, you know, when you, you not, not, actually, I should, I'm going to change that to, I'm lucky that as a stockbroker, I was able to earn enough money to allow myself the time to retrain and redevelop into something new and um, to also get my health back. So I've been lucky that I haven't been working for a period of time. But for other people, I, I, I would, it's, it's more about when you're doing something that you love and that you enjoy, you don't need as much money because you don't need all those luxuries around it because you're just loving what you're doing on a daily basis. Yeah, I think that's and I think, big. And I think when you start yeah. to, when you're doing something that you love, people do have blocks over being able to make money, but when you're passionate about something, yeah. when you're doing something that you love, the ability to then make the money, you know, that, 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 that ability is absolutely there. But I think we've got it the wrong way around in our society and we're taught from an early age through school that, you know, it doesn't matter what you're good at, what you're talented at, you know, it, it's, it's about what is a sensible option for you to be able to make money, to give yourself this stable future. Yeah. And I think we end up creating very broken individuals by doing that because, you know, we, we have children who go through school thinking they're not good enough for the things that they are that they're actually good at yeah. and you know if, if they're not good at maths or English or any of those things that are deemed to be you know um, you know the things that make you intelligent um, if you, you know if children aren't good at that we may we maybe get like maths um, tutors or extra tuition and stuff to help them be better at the things that they're not good at and they spend less time doing the things they are good at and we create um, you know just very average individuals instead of somebody who's incredible at something and I think that really is where the difference is like we need to start realizing that um, to be incredible at something no matter what that is is a beautiful thing and to then go out into the world and bring that 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 beautiful incredible thing into the world as, as yeah. in, in your own power that's I mean, that's the most magnificent thing you can do and it's, it's, it's the most magnificent thing you can do for your own soul yeah and you know if money obviously we live in a world where people do need money but i do genuinely believe that when you're doing something you're passionate about you can you can bring the money around that yeah i um, guess we're not really taught to even find that find what it is no we're not yeah. yeah we're taught to to lock that away really yeah. and to as i said just be average at, at, at everything which 
is a real shame because it's when people feel average at stuff or not as good at you know we're competing against each other so I'm not as good as I'm yeah. not as good as Johnny at, at English or whatever but um, yeah. so then then you actually those insecurities grow um, whereas yeah. you know if you could just be I'm amazing at this and you're amazing at that and I respect you for that and you respect me for that even if we're doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> in fact, yeah, we're both great at something. So let's let's hold hands and do this yeah. together and be like become even better at it together or create something bigger together. Mm. But yeah, unfortunately, we're we're taught to yeah to compete. Or so now you say you're not working, but yes, maybe like you're working in a different way. Yeah. Yes, I still so I still set my days up as a working day. Um, and uh, I think yeah, people often say to me, but you're not working, how can you be so busy? But I'm so busy um, yeah. that I'm doing, um, and I'm, I feel very grateful to the experience of what we were saying earlier about being sick. I genuinely believe I created all that through all of my own negativity, through my stress, through everything I was doing. I created all of that. But I genuinely believe that that, that sickness was something that came to push me away, to push me you know, into start to walk the right path which I now absolutely know I'm doing. Um, and I would never have left a job that I was, you know, not just comfortable, more than comfortable in. I, mean, I was, I, you know, I thought I'd made it. I was, I was making all this money, I was doing great. I was out with clients, going to all the best restaurants and the best clubs. And as a 20 something, that was, that was amazing. You know, what more could you want? But I think as you start to, you know, to grow a little bit and not just that, it was, it was, it, it was the connection with my soul that was missing. I, I guess I really felt like I was, like I'd sold my soul in that job and I don't regret it for a minute I had a great time doing it and as I say it's afforded me the ability to now move into something else mm. um, but yes so I'm doing a lot of other stuff at the moment so since leaving that job I um, I've started to develop as a medium um, so yeah I see dead people I see dead people <laughs> <laughs> I really do <laughs> um, so yeah so that was something as a child that was there um, wow but, but I guess I guess kind of but as you go through the schooling system again we get taught to go into a different part of our brain into you know just into a different part of your being I think uh, so I really forgot about everything that had happened as a child and it was really in my teens, my, my later teens, that, I, that, that things started to come to me again. Um, and I thought I was just partying too much. I thought I was losing, you know, I thought I was like, losing my mind. What um, was I was so, I was seeing um, spirit was coming to me a lot at night. Um, so it'd be, I, I, I never knew how to, well, I used to explain it at the time because I had no idea what was going on. I used to explain it at the time, it's like I was in a different level of consciousness. So I would go to sleep and I'd kind of wake up in the night, but I wouldn't be awake. I'd be still half asleep. Yeah. Um, and I could, my my eyes would be closed. I could feel myself laying in my laying in my bed in the exact position I was laying in. But I would be seeing, but obviously not through open eyes. I'd be seeing people just walk around my room. And I now understand it as being almost, you know, I, I was at a different, I was at a different level of consciousness. That's how I was, I was, I was explaining it at the time. But it was like through, I was see, seeing into a different dimension, I guess, because. I think we kind of think that we have this idea that, say, heaven, for example, it's we, we say, oh, heaven's up there in the sky, and we yeah. think it's up there, yeah. but it's not. It's almost it's just vibrating at a, a higher level to what we are vibrating in this very dense yeah. universe, uh, not universe, but very dense like wor uh, world or earth that we are on. So did you have um, any communication back then, or was it just? 
Yeah, well, what you said, I mean, they were definitely trying to communicate with me. Wow. Um, used to be like trying to pull my duvet off, or I'd, I'd sometimes wake up trying to respond to their questions. It was almost like I'd res- be trying to respond physically, and it would pull me out of my of the, of, the, of the level of consciousness I was at. Right, so, um, so I'd be, I, I, I'd be communi- I guess we'd be communicating on another dimension. Okay. And then as I was sometimes trying to physically communicate back, it would then pull me back into this physical realm oh. that we were in. So it would wake me then from my sleep and I'd be and like, oh yeah. my gosh, what, what's just gone on? This has happened to me before. Has it? Recently, yeah. Well, it's something, um, astral travel is something that happens to all of us. So um, all of our souls, uh, leave our bodies at night. They they all yeah. do it. Uh, it's just not not all of us are conscious of this happening. And in actual fact, just so you know, people don't think that I've completely lost my mind. Um, there, there is uh, there is a lot of scientific yeah, evidence on this. <laughs> yeah. There is a lot of scientific evidence on this as well. There was a group of scientists who um, wanted to work within. Uh, I forget the name of, of it now, but you know, um, wanted to work within the realms of stuff that can't be proven, I forget, what's the, what's the word for that? I always do this, I forget words, but um, it'll come to me. But to, but to work with, with this kind of stuff. Um, and they decided, you know, they knew that there's, there's so much of, of this kind of, of stuff that they decided to focus on astral travelling. Yeah. So I think they've been doing it for around 20 odd years now. And they've, you know, undoubtedly proven that this happens. And they actually run courses now where um, they teach people to consciously leave their body rather than just doing it at yeah. night. Uh, and there's a lot of books that have been written about it as well. Yeah. Um, so if anyone wants to, you know, to look further into it. But yeah, so this is something that we we, we all do, and it's like um, for anyone who's you'd know you you maybe become aware of it if I say things like this, but. Um, it's when you maybe feel dream like sleep paralysis. Yeah, yeah. Or you feel like someone's sitting on you. If you're if you're aware of flying in your dreams, that kind of thing, falling, all yeah. of that means that you've been um, astral traveling, and it just it, it, it just basically means that as uh, so your your soul is leaving your body, and once uh, once it does that, it can go off anywhere to, to different realms and do all sorts of different things. Um, but if you can become conscious of it, because a lot of the time what we do is. We have that feeling of paralysis, or that you're something. We're like, <gasps> like you get scared and you want to pull yourself yeah, out. So yeah. you're, by doing that, you're actually pulling your soul back into your body. Yeah. But if you can become conscious of in the dream, oh, hold on a minute, I'm astral traveling. Where do I want to go? What do I want to do? Then you can consciously control where you're going. And some of the adventures I've had on that have been amazing. Like I'm literally seeing myself come out of my body and go fly through the wall and off. And I've taken myself to so many different places that have been incredible um, and really had some, and in fact there's, a, there's one experience I had, um, I volunteered in an orphanage when I first quit my job as a stockbroker, I went travelling in South and Central America and um, I, I'd, for about 10 years I'd always said like I, I, I want to volunteer in an orphanage and I never understood why because um, I wasn't really that kind of person back then, I was much more party girl and you know career girl party girl I didn't really care for anything else uh, I definitely wasn't you know this, I wasn't connected to the spiritual at all um, but I just always had this feeling that I, I just wanted to work in a, a volunteer in an orphanage and when I was traveling I actually split up with my my long-term boyfriend over there and I went and volunteered in, in an orphanage and um, there was it was actually very expensive to volunteer there and there were so many others that came up um, when I just 
you know, typed into Google that was so much cheaper, but I was just like, I just know I have to go to this orphanage. And I met this beautiful little boy there, and we just had the strongest soul connection. As soon as we met, it was just, it was so incredibly strong. And really beautiful story about how he was, um, he was, he was basically like the, the naughty child, you know, he was always put in a corner, always being told off. Um, wouldn't share with any of the other children, was just really disconnected from everything and mm. the connection that me and him had, it just, he just came out of himself, it was, it was incredible, he just, he came out of himself, I taught him to, taught him a little bit, a bit of, like, he didn't know how to speak before, so I was teaching him a little bit to how to speak, taught him to share with other people, um, just brought him into this, like, happier place and then I had to leave and then I came back and I didn't realise, they didn't, they didn't tell me until later on that he'd gone into a very dark place when I'd left. So then I just absolutely did, did not want to leave him. I was like, I'll stay here forever and ever. But I was kind of, I, I asked for a sign about whether I should go or not. And go back to see whether I should stay, so whether I should stay in the orphanage yeah. or whether I should leave. Because yeah. I just wasn't sure what to do, because I would have literally stayed there forever. And I was, I was, I was looking at trying to adopt him. Um, and I was actually, I was asked to leave in the end because they said that the connection we had was too strong and they didn't feel like it was fair I mean, I was treating all the other children the same, but they didn't feel, they just didn't feel like it was right. I don't think they really understood, they didn't understand soul connections, you know. Yeah. Um, so I was asked to leave and I was really worried about um, how that was going to leave him. Yeah. Um, and a few days, maybe a week after I left, um, I had this really intense astral travel experience where I went to the orphanage and I sat with him and I was just saying to him in this, in this experience, like, I didn't want to leave you, I love you, I didn't want to abandon you, like I'm, I'm always here, like this connection is very real, except, like, I can't remember what else but various things like that. And yeah. literally about a week after, two different people from the orphanage, completely separate of each other, got in touch with me and just said, look, we know you were really worried about him and when he first left, when he first left, it actually was, um, it actually was, you know, he, he went into a very dark place. But literally overnight, he's he's suddenly become like this really happy child. Um, and again, really? they, and they got in touch again, and that was obviously just after this astral travel yeah. experience. So it's like the soul to soul conversation was there, which which allowed him, even as a, a two, I think he was two two or three years old as a child, that, that soul soul connection allowed him to to just grow in some way and to have that assurance that he wasn't being abandoned and that he was loved. And then a few months later, the two people was the same got in touch with me again, but again completely separately of each other, or completely independently. Yeah. And um, had said, um, you know, he's just gone, he's grown so much, and he's now become everyone's favourite child. Like everyone wow. comes to the orphanage and just wants to be with him. And um, like he eventually was was adopted, which I was really happy about. I was very sad that I wasn't able to adopt him, but very happy that he went to a family. Mm. And what I learned from that experience, it took me a while because I was very much like how can I have such a strong connection with somebody but not be allowed to adopt him? Like I'd, I'd been through a process and uh, I won't go into it here, but I'd been through a process and it wasn't to be. So I couldn't understand that. I was like, how can this be? But then it, I realised that, um, that sometimes um, you know, the biggest soul connections can come into your life for such a short period of time but can teach you the biggest things. Okay. Uh, yeah, and one of the things that I did get from that, one of the biggest things I got from that, amongst many other things, yeah. was that um, my long-term plan is going to be to set up a, a school and an orphanage. And it made me realise, so that meeting with that little boy and that experience yeah. made me realise, you know, A, you know, how um, 
actually I do have a really good affinity with children yeah. um, but just how much I love children how beautiful children the innocence of children but also going back to a little bit what we spoke about earlier about the schooling system and stuff and how children go into schools and unfortunately they're ripped away from, from, from who, the, who they are you know they get very pushed into their ego very quickly and start becoming something that they believe they should be or they're told they should be rather than who they actually are so I really want to create something, um, uh, you know, a school system and the orphanage itself and the school whereby um, you keep children in their heart, you know, and, and allow children to, to stay connected to who they are, to know that they're loved no matter what. And, um, you know, to create a, a school, like much like, I guess, the Steiner School and the, um, yeah. the Green School in Bali, um, something along those kind of ideas where you work with the children to, you know, to work with within the realms of what they're passionate about and what they want to do. And, um, yeah, so obviously I've, got, I've still got a long, that's a, that's a long way off. I'm not, not ready for that yet, but that's what that, that brought for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's so I've got completely off course with you. Know, we're talking about what I'm doing when I'm not working. Um, but yeah, so I'm developing the mediumship. Um, he developed heal, like working as a healer, um, public speaking. So that's something you know that I'm trying to get used to. So I'm doing Toastmasters and writing speeches and stuff like that to try and um, again everything everything all the work that I do is all sort of trying to be inspirational is trying to inspire people to connect back to their their hearts and their souls and walk the path that their soul wants them to walk instead of mm. what society tells them they should be um, or what they've grown up to believe. Um, Can I just ask you, where does that come from and why do you feel? Um, it's a hard one to explain that because it comes, you know, it comes from, from inside you. It's, it's something yeah. that is within each individual has their own, their own thing that is within them. Um, for me, uh, gosh, I'm going to start going into the real crazy talk. <laughs> We've already gone there, so in for a penny, right? Um, but for me, you know, yeah, this is something that's even though I've I've kept it well hidden for a long time as I've been, you know, walking a you know walking a different path. Um, it's something that's been, it's, there's just this there's a teacher within me, there's an inspirer within me that has always been there and there's the teacher within it's me that has it's yes wow. and it's, there's a teacher within me who has had to teach wow. myself at times it's almost like there's been two people within yeah. me there's been the one person who's still trying to find its way through this life and work out who I am and where I'm going and you know walk you know try and steer like navigate myself through the complexities of this world that we live in and then there's been the other part this deep, this wise part of me that has always been guiding me with on within my own journey. And there's times that I, without that guidance, I could have gone very off course. And there's times, you know, I could have been been very very dark places and things that a lot of people might well have needed help for. But this voice within me, and I believe we all have this voice within us, absolutely. But I know this voice within me is so strong that it has been able to guide me out of some dark places mm, um, amazing. yeah it's incredible and I think this is something that you know the, the, where I was going to say where we start to go a bit crazy here is um, for me this is past lives for me this has been you know um, I've been a teacher and an inspirer through and a medium and all of these things through all of my lives um, okay. I'm very connected now to a lot of my past lives I've um, 
they, they, you know, they come from, I've, I've done some past life regressions, but they come through dreams, they come through just knowing, they come through inspiration. There's, there's so many different ways that I get inspiration about my past lives um, and knowings about my past lives. Um, but yeah, I've seen a lot now and throughout there's one thing, the same theme throughout all of it is always coming to, coming to each life to try and help to guide man back to his heart, back to, back to the soul, you know, and, uh, <laughs> but it's, but that, you know, it leaves you scarred as well, because if you look back to even just recent centuries, yeah, you speak true. out, you know, these kind of things, you're labelled a heretic, a witch. You're, but yeah, a witch, definitely, definitely been burnt at a stake and drowned a few times as a witch, um, yeah. you know, all the gifts I have, because, you know, I, I, you know, I do yeah, work yeah. with these gifts, these beautiful gifts, which we're told, yeah you know, are, are wrong or they're not gifts or their imagination and all of these things and I say in previous lifetimes would have, you know, seen your tongue cut out, lots of torture, all of these like, you know, awful deaths. Um, so for me, working through that in this life has actually been a very, very big challenge um, to, you know, to get back to a place of finding my voice again and reconnecting with those gifts because I literally live with the fear of, you know, I guess, you know, consciously I know that I'm not going to be burnt at the stake, but I, I live with the fear of, of the connotations of that, you know, of, of yeah. people's people's view of me, like um, what yeah. people are going to say, it's how people are going to treat me, it's, it's still very yeah. much there. Yeah. I live with um, the fear of, humili of public humiliation, that's been a thing for me for a very, very long time, so doing things... Yeah. I guess not even just personal, your past lives, but just in general, like the, the standing on the shoulders. Yes, right? absolutely. Everyone who's made the way, yeah, who have been sacrificed, and yeah, yeah it's all there. And we, yeah. even if, you know, say we don't get burnt at stake in this life. There's still a lot of things that happen yeah. in this life. We now have social media. Social media is the new burnt at stake, right? You know, if you do yeah. something, yeah. something there, the humiliation that gets passed across, shame. the shame, exactly. So there's. You know, we, it's, 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 a, it's a different country, but there's uh, <laughs> somebody at the door. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we live in a different century of different ways, but there's still all of these things yeah. there that we can still feel that persecution and that shame and that yeah. humiliation. So that is something that I'm having to work very, very hard so to get through. When you said this voice, you said um, it was hidden. Mm. Was that a conscious, were you like, is it because of the shame or just it was hidden because you weren't really um, I think, I guess it's all of it because uh. the voice was always there inside me and, but I didn't really, I knew, I knew that it was working there but I didn't understand it. So if you think back, back when I was, I'm, I'm, I'm nearly 41, so back when I was like 17, 18 when a lot of this stuff started to really become, coming to fruition or really become real for me, the, the internet wasn't right. there or it was just starting to to come about yeah so you couldn't really look up stuff on the internet i just you, you just couldn't and there weren't many people to talk to like now it's actually incredible now that the fact that i'm sitting here right now doing this so openly a shows a lot about my own journey yeah but it's also a lot about how open and so how much easier it is to speak in the world that we live in now it is becoming easier more people are becoming conscious of mm. this sort of stuff and I found that with myself, you know, you know, I talk about it openly now and I find that everybody that I speak to is actually very open as well. And I think it's it's twofold here because 
as I've started to step, step into my own power and own this myself, and I'm like, do you know what? This is who I am. I do speak to dead people. You know, this is what I, you know. This is what I do. This is who I am, um, and I'm very happy to own that. The more I own it, the more people are like, oh, that's great. You know, we want to hear more about it. But when you're when you're fearful yourself, when you're not owning it yourself, people sense that that energy within you unconsciously. Mm. But they do, and so and then and you also naturally attract people to you who are therefore going to give you what you. you want because you know yeah what the universe thinks you want is people who think you're crazy or people who are going to say those mm. things to you because that's what you that's that's how you're vibrating. So um, yeah, it is it is twofold. As I say, I've stepped more into my power now to own it, so I attract those people to me who who are happy and um, open to listening to what I'm saying. But also I do think we are stepping into you know, a much yeah. more conscious uh, place where people are more open and people you know, do start, are believing a little bit more in this and do actually genuinely want to know about yeah, some yeah, of this yeah. stuff. And um, I, think, I guess, like, as you say, you're being more open when it comes, because it's really easy to be sceptical about these kinds of things, I think. Is. And I was myself for a long time as well, sceptical <laughs> of my own self, yeah. what was going on within my own being, so yeah. That's so true. So you can't blame other people for being yeah. sceptical when you're like not understanding it with yeah. your own space. So, I get, yeah. But when it comes from someone that someone knows, maybe it's a bit different because it's like, oh yeah, well, mm. obviously I'm not going to not believe you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so there's been there's been a lot, there has been a lot going on, um, a lot of development. That, I think it's amazing that you can find that voice. Yeah. And like you say, it's on all, on all of us, but it's just how do you bring it out? Yeah, and trusting it. Yeah. One of the things, so I've been developing mediumship for about five years now. That's true. And one of the hardest things, so it's such a natural gift, and the, you know I have it's it's a very strong gift. I, I know that I know that spirit are there all the time I know that they're wanting to connect I know that's all there but the hardest thing in the development is undoing everything that you've been taught undoing all of yeah. the it's just your imagination you're just crazy yeah undoing everything like that like and trusting that when because with mediumship it's not you know I, I spoke earlier about um with the astral traveling situation where I would see people walking around my room yeah um and that was, you know, that was very strong. But generally, when you're working on a mediumistic level, you're not really physically seeing people walk around. It's it's all in yeah. in your third it eye. And yeah, so you you would you would blend with it. It's your soul blending with another soul, um, and you're you're sort of feeling them and getting to know them by feeling them. You might hear something, you might feel something, you might sense something, you might just know something. Yeah. But it's not a conversation where you're just picking up the phone and yeah, having yeah. a chat like me and you are. So you're, you know, you're picking up little bits, bits and blending little bits, but so trusting what you're feeling, trusting what you're sensing, trusting, you know, something that you're seeing in your mind, a vision that you're going into, and then, you know, you get a vision and it's not as simple as just saying, I'm seeing a dog. You have to then go into the dog and what, what's the story behind this dog? So it's, a, I mean, it's actually, it is, it is a difficult, um, it is a difficult, um, what's the word? Um, I can't remember the word, but again, it's a difficult gift to master yeah. in itself. But you've also got that that trusting because uh, it's so it's so um, subtle. It's not like being hit over the head by a brick. You know, you're literally yeah. gently, subtly feeling these this, this change of energy around you. Yeah. Um, so um, there's a lot of self doubt with mediumship. Too. I think it's not just the way that we are in the world. Everything is very external. Yes. Yeah. To actually tune in and to pay attention to mm. the subtle things. Because we're used to like everything. It. It's like an yeah. over, overload of everything, isn't it? Like. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, we've got music coming, we've got TV, that's sensory overload, that's yeah, how yeah. so it's which is very intense sensations mm. that we're used to, but like this is a very, very subtle Yeah, and we easily missed. <laughs> very easily. And this energy blends as well, you know, as a, as a medium, obviously I'm developing, working with spirit, but we're also working, all of us need to be developing our, um, you know, our ability to blend with the energies of each other because we, we are all Unconsciously energy. bumping yes, in. Yes, exactly, exactly. And that's the thing, you know, when, when you Ow. walk... Exactly, yeah. So, so you see someone in... A, you, you walk into a room and there's somebody you just feel automatically drawn to. You're like, wow, I just feel yeah. drawn to them. Or there's someone else that you're like, oh, yeah. I'm going to be around them. And you don't know why, but it's just, it's just the different energies yeah. and the different... We're all vibrating on different levels. And so, you know, some, some energies work well together at, at this stage, but that could change as somebody else's vibration change change exactly being open to that exactly yeah. <laughs> we know all about change <laughs> so this is a, this is a very big change from going from as a stockbroker huge yeah into a completely different playing field really yeah very much so it could not be further apart really could it um, yeah from, yeah actually can you just talk a bit about um, when you were sick and what how it pushed you into yeah, so, um, so, oh God, where do I start with that? So, yeah, so, <laughs> where to start? So I was, yeah, I was, I was very sick for six years, which um, came about, um, it was basically in hindsight, well, you know, I now know yeah. that it was um, something called exhausted adrenals or adrenal fatigue, which was working in a very stressful environment. Yeah. Um, also, you know, I was work hard, play hard. Uh, I was putting a lot of bad things in my body. I wasn't in it at all conscious about what I was eating or drinking or anything else that was going into my body at that time. Um, so I was obviously causing a massive imbalance in my body. Uh, but I was going to the doctors and then fortunately, you know, our doctors are very overworked here and they're trained really only in prescribing pharmaceuticals. So, um, you know, that's what was happening. I was walking through the door and I was getting written a prescription. I was given, I was put on antibiotics for, I think it was, it was somewhere between one and two years. And I was taking wow. four antibiotics a day for a, a long period of time. And I was going back into the doctors with all of these, what I now know to be symptoms of the overuse of antibiotics. Um, but okay. they, but they, weren't, they weren't putting two and two together. And neither was I at that point because I wasn't conscious to anything like that. And I was very much in a stage where, that, back then, where you just trust your doctor and your yeah. doctor knows best. So I was going in with all these different symptoms, um, which were being created by the overuse of antibiotics, and I was just getting prescribed more antibiotics and more tablets to then, you know, negate the symptoms I was getting. So I just ended up becoming very, very sick, and I went travelling for a bit. I was actually made redundant, which was a, a huge blessing. I didn't, I didn't understand about manifesting at the time, but I, I was thinking like, I really want to go travelling, but I don't have the guts to walk away from my career at this stage because I'm so early on in my career. And then an incident happened and my desk got made redundant. So I was like, oh, this is actually great. And I went traveling for a bit. So um, completely irrelevant to your... So, oops, what, sorry, it's, that wasn't to do with like... Wasn't to do with my, no, it wasn't, that wasn't to do with me being sick. It was just something that, that okay. happened. Okay. And I was like, oh, this is great. I can go traveling. Um, but when I was traveling, I actually had... Um, I traveled for a few months without fine. And then, and I, oh, sorry, I've missed out. I started to develop colitis, but again, it went undiagnosed for years, uh, for, for several years. Um, so colitis is like like Crohn's disease. Um, it's like an, I guess, as it's got like a, a serious inflammation of the bowel, which can lose, lead to you losing the bowel if it goes untreated. 
Um, wow. So, my, so like Crohn's disease, uh, I don't want to get too graphic with it, but you spend a lot of time in the toilet. <laughs> um, so it was, it wasn't good. You know, obviously, I, you know, no nutrient. I, I became deficient in every single vitamin and nutrient and mineral because nothing was digesting within me. Um, so I was, I, I, when I went traveling, I took, I didn't have enough antibiotics to take, so I was taking less, and so that symptom reduced. Um, but I was fine, and then I actually had some um, vaccinations done to go to. I was in Australia, and I was going to Thailand and Fiji, and so I had vaccinations done to go to these places. Yeah. And I had the vaccinations done and got so sick, like I was like really sick for about three days, couldn't get out of bed. Um, and then I got over the the, the the flu symptoms of the vaccinations, but after that, everything just went downhill. I just I started to I couldn't get out of bed. Um, so when I got home, I was going to a doctor saying, I think I've got ME, and they were just like, I was, I was like, you know, I said, I'm tired all the time. They're like, oh, tired? Oh, you must, maybe you've got depression. Have some depression tablets. And I was like, no, like, I'm not depressed. Like, yeah. I'm starting to feel depressed off the back of everything that's yeah. going on. But I know that depression isn't the, you know, the the cause. Um, it's, yeah. it's becoming a symptom. Yeah. So luckily for me, I was I said no to the, to the antidepressants. Um, but yeah, it just, you know, it was just... The doctors just weren't how I don't mean to be disrespectful here at all to doctors, that's not my intention. I know they are working in what I would say is a broken system. Um, so I think you know, it's you I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I never want to, I never want to single out any, any specific doctors or anything like that because I think they are doing their best within the system that they are working within and the system that they are trained within as well. Um, but unfortunately, that that you know, that system that does just lead to handing out a lot of pharmaceuticals and never really getting to the, the root cause of what our problems are and, the, yeah. and not looking at diet and you know not looking at how our body is actually all connected it's, you know, they tend to look at one wow. part here one part there and it's it's the connection of everything within our body and mind body and soul as well so yeah not know, just body exactly <laughs> so it's so yeah it's, it's when, we're, when we're out of balance it, everything becomes out of balance and, and your life as well your environment everything it's, it's, it's just everything it's, 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 it's everything together so we do obviously need to start looking at it, like that's something we need to change. Um, obviously, that's a long process, but hopefully, you know, as people become more conscious, we can start working towards that. Yeah. But yeah, so um, so I just became very, very sick. Um, uh, yeah, I, was, I was got rushed to hospital a few times. I was having um, weird reactions to stuff. Uh, um, what else? I so in the, in the long run, when I went to Hong Kong, I actually found this incredible... So I moved to Hong Kong, I forgot to mention that. So amongst all of this, I moved to Hong Kong as a stockbroker um, for four and a half years. And that in itself was, you know, Hong Kong, it's an amazing place, but it's a crazy place. It's like noise pollution, light pollution, air pollution, food pollution, it's everything. It's just like, we talked about sensory overload earlier. Hong Kong is Good sensory God. overload. And then do it as a stockbroker as well. It was, it was full on and sick. But I found this incredible holistic, holistic doctor who was also a fully trained GP. And for me, this is this is absolutely where we need to be. So she's yeah, fully trained GP, but she would only prescribe um, you know pharmaceuticals as an absolute last resort. So she would work with you in all these different ways um, to try and get you back into mind, you know, mind, body, soul, you know, everything getting its way back into balance. Uh, so she got me off all the pharmaceuticals, and I was di diagnosed, finally diagnosed with a colitis, uh, with fibromyalgia. Um, chronic fatigue, I eventually got diagnosed with um, acute stress because obviously I was working still whilst having all of these issues. Yeah. Um, I'd been saying to my doctors in the UK for ages, I know it's, I know it was the, um, 
I know it was the vaccinations. I know that that's what caused me because yeah. that's what that, that, that's what sent me on the downward spiral. And I hadn't said any of this to her. And she said, "Have you been travelling? You know, you seem to have picked up something." And I was like, "Oh, these vaccinations." And she was like, "Okay, yeah. Now we know what we're working with." So, and I, I think we discovered that the fact that I was so. I'm not saying that you know by having the vac- if, if I just had the vaccinations on their own, I would have been fine. I'm sure. But um, it was the fact that my body had become so weak, my immune system was weak, I, I, I was deficient in all these vitamins and minerals. So when I put these vaccinations into my body, I wasn't yeah. able to fight anything off. So I think I basically took on, I think one of them must have been live. I think it was t- It was so so many years later that, that, we, that I, thought I got the diagnosis that I couldn't fully say, but I think it was typhoid that was, um, that was live. Um, I could be wrong on that. But, but I think I basically got, not, um, yeah, yeah, typhoid, I think so. But so I basically ended up having this illness that was put into me through the injection as well. Oh but word. went undiagnosed for years, so I was so sick. And you don't get any support either. Like, um, when, you don't, when you don't have a diagnosis, everyone just yeah. tells you you're crazy. Everyone just yeah. tells you you're being lazy. Everyone just tells yeah. you, you know. So that was very difficult in itself. Tried it. <laughs> What's that? So I tried it. Yeah, tried it. Yeah, it was that 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 lack of support I found very difficult as well. Was people not understanding, not being able to explain to your work colleagues why you were like that, and you know, so that 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 was difficult. So that affected my equal in my mind, my body, my soul. You know, it affected all of that as well. Yeah. So Imagine. eventually, this doctor was helping to support me through all of this, but she eventually said, "Look, I've got to be honest with you. You." Um, I can support you through this, but you're not going to get better until yes. you leave your job because you're, you know, it's a psychosomatic illness. Um, you know, the more wow. stressed you're getting, the more you're you're doing. Some... What doctor? She was. I mean, I don't know. There'd be many people who say like, "Well, we can't, we don't, can't all afford to leave our jobs," which is true. But you know, health. She's not true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's ways of you know, there's ways of doing things, and our health is the most important thing. Yes, so that's true. Um, yeah, and obviously, you know, I don't, I don't. I don't start going down a way of saying how we can all you know we can change things but there's, there's always a way of doing something with, with with your health and you can you can change the way you're doing it you can maybe work more from home there's, there's different there's always an option um or even if it seems like a small option to begin with you know there's yeah, always something yeah. that can be worked with but this is obviously we're talking about my journey rather than trying to <laughs> encourage other people to leave their jobs here yeah. um <laughs> this, this should come with a warning <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so eventually, it, it took me about a year of her saying that because obviously I was I was petrified. I was like, this is all I knew. This is this, as I mentioned earlier, this is how I defined myself. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was I was I was petrified of it. But it got to the stage where things were so bad that I recognised I had no choice but to do that. Um, okay. Yeah. So I so I left and. I uh, went travelling for a year and didn't really know what I was doing and where I was going and I was, like, I was just like... Where did the redundancy come into it then? Uh, sorry, that was, that was a previous job. Okay. So yeah, a previous job where I travelled for a while and then I came back and went straight back into um, work again. Yeah, yeah. so my, it's a long story, the, the story of my life. <laughs> I don't think we've got time for it, so I'm jumping all over the place. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so, so I left. Okay, so this is like, your, this is the last kind of job. Yes, the last job that I did, yeah, so left, went travelling, developed all these different areas. Um, and yes, yeah, so still now, five or six years later, I'm still oh still working on the development. As, as yeah. it's mentioned about the mediumship, it's, you know, I've been developing that for five years. It's a, it's a, it's a long development process. And I say the undoing of, of our negative yeah. thought process, but 
it's also all of the development I'm doing all this development to be able to um, to step more into the public eye to, to be that inspirational speaker that I know I am and to be that inspirational teacher that I know I am but getting myself to a place where I'm getting over my fear or getting you know getting to that place where I feel that I am ready to step into that that's a long process it's, mm. it's not something that's yeah. come overnight um, uh, and it's a lot of hard work but when you're you asked earlier about you know how you know what that voice is like when you when you connect to that and we a lot of us are very disconnected to that when we're doing our normal lives but I've been lucky enough to be pushed into a place where I've always been forced to connect to that which I'm very grateful for but when you do connect to that you just know what you've got to do and it doesn't matter how hard it is you just know you've got to do it and Love it. I tell you what stand, stepping up, standing up for the first time and doing a speech or, or not even the speech stepping up for the first time and just saying hi my name's Nivy and this in front of an audience petrifying like literally petrifying um, for somebody who is terrified of public speaking and again this goes back to past lives as I said with every time I've spoken my truth yeah. I've been tortured somehow so I hold that in my in my being um, so pushing through that and standing up for the first time it was so scary and it's still scary now I've been developing with public speaking for two years now I've only given three speeches within that time because it's taken me that long to just just to get up and say hi my name's Nivey um, so now I'm, I say I'm getting to the stage where I'm, I'm writing speeches and giving speeches within um, the Toastmasters group mm-hmm. um, but it's yeah it's, it's taken a long long time to to get there and I, I'm still petrified when I stand up in front of an audience and do that but I know it's what I need to do mm-hmm. um, so I'm doing it <laughs> nice. just trusting and, and pushing through and doing it nice that you have that certainty because I think that's what most people are looking for yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and it's it's that lack of certainty or that lack of connection with yourself and what your passions and what your dreams yeah. are and what you what you want to do which is which is what creates a lot of the um, the difficulties and frustrations that we all have as human beings so are there ways like when you left a job that you managed to is there anything specific that you did to tune into that more? Um, it's so many things. That's the thing. There are so many things and so many different ways that all of us can walk our paths. Um, yeah? It's, yeah, it, for me, obviously, travelling, for me, is travelling. My soul takes me <laughs> travelling all the time anyway. Um, so I, I went travelling after. That was something I'd known I'd wanted to do for, for several years. Since the last time I'd travelled for a small period of time and then went back to work I knew that that was something that I wanted to go do on a a bigger scale Um, so the traveling and just just um, getting to know myself I think traveling definitely allows you to do that because when we're here we have that label put on us we are this person we went you know isn't it like our, our school friends know us as a person our work friends know us our parents know us our families you know we we are known to be the person that we have grown to become but that keeps us in a box and so when we travel and I think that's why so many people do this now uh, and I'm so happy it makes me so happy when I hear that people are going traveling yeah. um, it's something that I would always encourage even if it's for a short period of time even if you can only get two weeks off of work but you just go by yourself and you just go do something like that it allows you to not be the person that everybody has expected you to be and the person that you've expected yourself to be as well and I think it's 
you even surprise yourself when you start to find, hold on, actually, I'm, I'm reacting, I'm being different. This, this isn't who I am at home. And it's a beautiful feeling that, and it's a feeling of absolute freedom, which is, freedom is what our soul craves. So when we give our soul that freedom, um, it actually allows the soul to speak more because it's getting what it needs, you know, you're nourishing it with the food that it needs almost. And therefore that, that gives the soul more strength, I guess, to, to become louder within you. Um, so yeah, so for me, definitely, I, I, I travelled for the best part of a year and it was just, I, you know, the, the, the adventures I had on that, you know, the, then, you know, obviously I had the orphanage, I, I went to the orphanage and um, I drank ayahuasca in Peru. Uh, so I spent two weeks drinking ayahuasca there and you know that that in itself was just the most incredible experience and in fact um, that was actually what connected me to the mediumship because I knew I was a medium and I'd blocked it out for 10 years um, I, and I'd, I'd said look I'm going to come back to you um, you know when I'm ready but I'm really not ready now I'm just starting my career as a stockbroker I'm not ready to be weird yet, you know. <laughs> now I embrace the weirdness, but you know, then I wasn't ready for that. So I'd said I will come back, and, and my last year or so in Hong Kong, I was starting to feel that coming, but I still had a lot of fear around that. And so when I was traveling, and um, ayahuasca absolutely called me, it was not something that I went looking for. Um, in fact, I was terrified of doing something like ayahuasca like uh, you know something that was hallucinogenic that's not that was not my mind <laughs> yeah, what's that sorry it's so different now it's very natural like you yeah a few times but back then it was just like this is oh yeah i didn't yeah. even know what it was before i went traveling wow. um and then when someone explained to me what it was i was like what well, i'm gonna like Ew. get yeah exactly i'm gonna get out of my head and like not throw this reality i was like whoa no thank you very much i was very interested in the spiritual side of it but i actually really wasn't interested in the you know the, the, the yeah exactly the, the hallucinogenic side at all yeah um so um but yeah it just things just kept coming whilst i was traveling it just just kept appearing in different places or oh, someone would talk about it or i'd see something about it it just it just kept coming in different ways and then I mentioned that I split up with my, my boyfriend and um, I actually uh, I just, I, I actually checked myself into a five-star hotel for a couple of days. So I was like, I just need to be somewhere where I can, um, you know, order room service, watch movies, not have to deal with anyone and just, you know, not have to leave the room. Yes. So whilst I was in there, I was like, well, I, I don't want to be on the travelling circuit. I would really like to um, just take myself off on a spa weekend or something for a couple of couple of weeks where I just don't it's just about me and I can process what I'm going through right mm -hmm. now with the, with the breakup and um, I typed in spa retreat in Peru and the first thing that came up was ayahuasca and I was like I know I'm, I'm meant to do it aren't I so um, I literally booked it at 6pm that night got a flight at 6am the next morning wow. and at 6pm the next night I was drinking ayahuasca so I didn't really have any time <laughs> to think about what I was doing which is generally how I do like to do things I just like yeah. I just like to be do you know what I, I feel I'm meant to do something I'm just going to do it and then you know I, t I turn up and go holy crap what am I doing here but I've had no time to panic about it yeah, um, yeah. so it, it works for me you know <laughs> rock up at the bottom of a mountain I don't know why I'm at the bottom of this mountain but I'm here now and I can't turn back so I'm just going to do it um, but yeah so so I, so I went and did that I hadn't done any of the two week diet or anything so I was crazy crazy sick during it because I was very toxic I was you know I'd just come out of a of a relationship which left me with very toxic you know energy around me I'd um, I'd been eating toxic food I'd um you know just everything I just I, I, I still had 
just toxic products and toxic everything within me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, throwing up was quite in the throwing up was quite intense. The first two, the t- first two times I drank, the first two ceremonies were tough. But what I was going to say with that, um, the whole process of those of those ceremonies of drinking ayahuasca was reconnecting me back to the mediumship. It was showing me that spirit are around me all the time and they're trying to connect with me and they are. Um, they have information they want to share with me that they want me to share with others <laughs> but I had to but there was also saying you need to get over your fear and so that, so again I mean I won't go through everything that went happen, happened in ayahuasca but the whole process was helping me to get over my fear of what being a medium yeah. was like how it was going to change me as a person what people were going to think of me you know all of these different wow. things and I walked out of ayahuasca and at that time I didn't have a blog but I was writing emails um, emails to people at home about my experiences and because I just left Hong Kong I actually had there were traders on there stockbrokers you know people who were uh, very definitely not you know into spirituality or anything like that yeah and I wrote this email about saying I've just done ayahuasca and it's um, the big thing that I've learned in ayahuasca is that you know I need to own myself as a medium and so I here I am telling you that wow. this is what I am, yeah. and I even write like um, you know pressing send on this on the pressing the send button on this email is going to be one of the hardest things I've ever done, but yeah. here goes type thing, and I sent that email, um, and that's yeah that was it. that was the first the first step to me owning this is this is who I am. I'm a medium. Right. I do see yeah. dead people. Blah blah blah. Um, so yeah, so so I, I was guided off the back of that to then. Um, to go to once I finished traveling to, come, to, to go back to London and to enroll in a mediumship course yeah uh, which I did um, but almost as soon as I did it I just had this really strong feeling that I wouldn't necessarily be working with mediumship in, in the normal way <laughs> which in the traditional way i.e. bringing people's loved ones through yeah. um, from the other side not to say that I won't do that as well and that is that's what I've been developing for the past five years is doing that yeah. Um, but I just felt I just felt that I was going to be connected with I was going to connect with this high, higher being, highly enlightened being, whatever you want to call it, and that um, we would write together. Um, I can't remember. I, th- I think I, I believe I can't remember now if I knew I was going to I was going to write a book with him or not. I can't remember. I can't remember what my thought was then. But um, yeah, so I kept developing, and a year and a half later, I ended up connecting with this highly enlightened being through um through one of my mediumship classes it was a trance class that we did well we did, i wasn't doing trance mediumship but we just ended up um just sporadically doing this trance thing and trance is where you actually connect more strongly with like you, you blend your energies in a in a more strong way i'm not very good at explaining <laughs> trance to be honest um, <laughs> but rather than it being you know the, the, the spirit step standing back slightly and you're still blending but that it's it's more like that the, the, the spirit is more becomes you or you become the spirit i should say so it's um it still comes through the mind it's still mental mediumship but it's it, it's, it's it's a lot it's just a lot stronger um so i blended with this this particular spirit and um, it was it was beautiful. I've never felt like wisdom or um, I can't remember the other thing. Like, but just like just 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 yeah, just this innate wisdom and peace. That was I've never felt wisdom and peace like it. And you know, he used energetically moved my head from side to side. So he was using my eyes to take in the room. 
Um, wow. And it was just pure energy. It was just like, you know, my head could never move as slow as it was just like, I can't even do it. It was just this, this like, it, was, it just slowly moved my head round. And, yeah. and yeah, I just felt like I'd been joined by this, like, this really wise wizard, which I thought was a bit odd. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, so, so that happened, but we just, we just um, blended and then we let it go. And I was like, wow, that was amazing. I'd like, you know, I'd like to do that again at some stage. But you know, didn't really think more of it. Yeah. And then a few months later, during a different mediumship class, a completely different teacher, they decided to do the same again. And this time with a partner sat in front of us, they were, so they said like, connect with somebody and bring some words of wisdom through. So of course it was the same, same wizard, <laughs> the same wise wizard who connected with me again. And this time we spoke. And, as I say, it was like I was, you know, it was him speaking, but I was at the back of my head almost, so I, I knew what was being said, but it wasn't me saying yeah. the words. So these words came from beautiful, beautiful words of wisdom. And as I was listening to what was being said, I was like, wow, like, this is, the words that are being used are so similar to the words that come through when I write. Wow. Because when I write, like these these beautiful words just come through. And I'm like, where are they coming from? I knew I was connected with spirit. I did I knew I was connected with spirit when I was writing. Um but I realised that it was this particular spirit that I must be connected to. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I never knew. Yeah. So I decided to sit the next day with him on my own and just just at home and connect and go into this like light trance state, connect and just write and just see what was gonna come. So I wrote. Uh, again, these beautiful words, and he was the words were just introducing him, you know, introducing, introducing himself to me, and said, "I'm glad that we're now connected. We've got a lot of work to do. Please come and sit with me every day, and blah blah blah." Um, keep saying blah blah blah. I'm talking about beautiful words, and I'm going blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'm obviously not connected to him now, um, but yeah. So we we sat, you know, every day, and that first day that we sat together has ended up being the first day of. What is now my book so yeah so that was really beautiful um and the way that all came um and uh yes yeah, so, so we've, we've we wrote that together and it started off very much very much him sort of talking to me and saying like you know i'm glad we're connected now and you know we need to get you over your fears and we need to work together on this on this project and blah blah and i can't stop saying blah 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll change it to etc etc <laughs> sounds posh up. Um, but then it moved into talking to everybody as a whole and again doing exactly what I say I'm here to do as a teacher um, and an inspirer and it's inspiring people to, to move back yeah. into their heart and also really it's it's you know it's it's an interesting book uh, it's really focusing on how screwed up society is and how we've come to be in a place where we don't even recognize how screwed up society is and people yeah. are just living you know on on, on the way that the, the basis of our society which has actually got a bit which is crazy but because we're born into it we don't even question it um which i believe many people are starting to question stuff yeah. now as we are going into this higher state of consciousness uh but yeah that's that's really what the book is it's, it's basically saying look you know we need to we need to shake things up a little bit here and and get back to being from here instead of being mm. from here. And it's not um, quite out yet. No, so basically, it's I, I, it's coming. I finished writing it three years ago, <laughs> um, and uh, it was actually really beautiful. I'd, I'd like to share a story because it was um, my so my dad passed away. Uh, he, he passed away through cancer, and that was four years ago now. 
and I connected with this spirit. Well, I was writing with this spirit whilst my dad had cancer. I didn't know I was writing with him, but I was writing a lot of articles on cancer and the way that we treat cancer. And spirit had actually come to me before, I didn't realize it was him, just before my dad was diagnosed. We knew that, that something was wrong, but we did not for a second think it was cancer. And then spirit just said in my, in my head, it is cancer and Ivy, um, uh, and it's time for you to start writing. Um, you can now start writing about this from the heart because I've wanted to write about sickness and the way, you know, health, the way that we treat this because of my own experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And cancer was quite a powerful thing for me. I, I, I did, I did want to speak about the way or write about the way that we were currently treating it. Um, and so it was almost like my dad getting sick then gave me the voice, uh, gave me a voice to be able or a platform to be able to speak. Um, so I was writing with this spirit about, um, you know, about cancer. But um, the book actually came after my dad passed away. But I finished writing it. So I went, I, I tracked Everest. It was something, again, one of these things that just came to me in the shower saying, you need to trek Everest. And I was like, no, I don't. And it was like, you do, you really do. And I was like, I really don't. I really don't have an interest in trekking Everest. But I know this voice when it comes that it's something that I need to do. And so <laughs> I did exactly what I said. I booked it, didn't give a second thought to it, and then rocked up on the mountain and just went, ah, what am I doing? Um, but actually, I was meant to trek it with, uh, <laughs> I was meant to trek it with other people. <laughs> there was meant to be a group of us, but it wasn't long after, it was a few months after the earthquake. Love it. So everybody dropped out and it was just me. And my suitcase turned up a day late, so I had to start the trek a day late. Um, and that ended up being on my dad's birthday. So it was the first birthday since he'd passed away yeah. and um, so I ended up starting to trek on that day and then I sat down to write a little bit of my book when, when I'd got back from the, you know, the first day of the trek, um, sat on a beautiful mountain writing, writing my book and what started to come, I was like this sounds like a conclusion and I just kept going with it and it ended up being that the last page of my book was written in Everest on my dad's first birthday since his passing, which I thought was beautiful just because I do feel that my dad, my dad's sickness is what gave me the voice and the platform to speak in the first place. So I, that, that was just a, a nice little story. Mm. Um, but yeah. where were we going? So we were talking about the, what was what was we actually saying about the book? Oh yeah, it's not about yet. Oh yeah, about being probably so, I can't remember. There was a connection with my dad there and I can't remember what it was, but three years. Three yeah. years I actually can't remember what the connection with my, with my dad was, but three. So it's but it has taken um, three years for me to be ready yeah. to publish this book. I didn't realise that I was I was constantly like, why why you know why isn't anything happening with the book? Like I knew I I knew I wasn't meant to go and um, go out to publishers myself. I just I always felt that the publisher would yeah. find me or it would come to me at the right time. But I kind of thought that would happen quite quickly after the book was written. Uh, and it was just never coming and I'd be like getting frustrated and be like, why isn't this happening? And I'd be like, right, I'm going to send something to a publisher and I'd just get this gentle pushback and say, it's not time yet. And three years later, it was finally, finally time. It takes time. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, the time has come now. So now we're in the process of, nice. of getting yeah. that done. And yeah, it, it's, you know, it's good. I, I, I do recognise that, uh, you know, when the book comes out, obviously um, that's going to open so many different yeah. doors and avenues for things, for all of the things that I'm saying that I'm here yeah. to do and I want to do, and yeah. you know, being potentially in the public eye, which terrifies me. 
Um, I know a lot of people, like, there's people who like will do anything to be that, and I'm like, oh, I can't think of anything worse. But but I know that's where I know that's where I need to be. So yeah. I have to be, I have to be ready for that. Um, so yeah, I've had to do a lot of work with myself to get myself to a place where I am ready. I'm looking forward to reading. Thank you. I'm not sure if I'm ready yet, but <laughs> I don't know if I am ready yet, but we'll see, yeah. yeah. Well, you can only do what you can. Yeah, and again, trusting in the divine timing of things and trusting that the universe knows yeah, yeah, better yeah. than yeah. me. Like, so, yeah. I feel like we could just talk forever and yes. that would last <laughs> is, is a thing. It is. <laughs> it's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just going to ask you a few more questions. Sure. Um, yeah, I think that your journey is just crazy. It is. Like, <laughs> such a contrast. Very, like, very yeah. stuck in one world, gone completely, <laughs> quite deeply as well. In the, in yes, the yeah. I don't like to do things by, things by half. <laughs> if I'm in it, I'm in it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's amazing. Mm. And, uh, yeah, what's one thing you mentioned about fear, the fear like how you're going to be perceived and yeah and it's still there it's, it it's still there especially yeah. with um the book and you know speaking about being connected to this highly enlightened wizard um yeah. people's perception of that it does it, it it's still something i'm working yeah. through um yeah it is i mean i know that i'm not crazy yeah. <laughs> and i know that he is who he says he is but to go out and say that to other Everyone people, because yeah. if someone if someone said to me um, some some of this stuff, I'd be thinking, especially when I'm back as a stockbroker when I still wasn't connected to that, I'd be like, that girl's crazy. Yeah. You know? um, so I appreciate and understand that, 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 that there's going to be people who think yeah. that, and I have to get myself to a stage where again I'm ready to own that and just ready to be. Do you know what this? I accept it. I, yeah. I accept that people are going to, or some people are going to think that. There are but, yeah. other authors, I'm sure you've heard of, who have done some of that. Yes, things. absolutely. I mean, my book's very, I, I say it's very much in the same ilk as like conversation, Conversations with God. Yeah. Um, and then the, the Law of Attraction, Abraham Hicks books as well. Yeah. So, so it yeah. is out there. I've actually had to, I've reread the Conversation with God books recently. I read them years ago. Um, and uh, funny enough, you know, I read, I read two of them years ago and I hadn't read the third. And when I started writing, writing my book, um, I knew it was of a similar ilk. So I was like, I, I cannot read the third book until I've read, until I've written mm -hmm. mine, because yeah. I don't want my mind to be in any way influenced yeah. by anything else. It needs to be purely yeah, yeah. channeled. Um, and funny enough, I just said the story about my dad and finishing it uh, on Everest. And then um, when, I, when I finished the, the 10, 11 day trek, whatever it was, I then went to Pokhara to chill, this place Pokhara to chill, and I was just craving avocados. I was like, I, was like, I know that avocados are what my body needs right now. And, and I found this little cafe, and it was perfect. So it, was, so it had like smashed avocado on everything. Uh, it had Kundalini um, meditation thing happening, um, and some, I can't remember something else, but I literally spent all of my days in there just relaxing. And I walked in, they had a bookshelf, and they had conversations with God part three wow. so it was like as soon as I that finished my book then that book then was there for me to be able to, to read, read. Yeah. Um, and it amazes me how the, the, the similarities and I'm going I'm reading it I'm, I've just read all three of them now and it's been brilliant for me to reread these um, just before I'm going to put my book out there because it allows me to see well first of all to connect with that with that author Neil Donald Walsh um, and he talks about his difficulties with 
putting it out there and some of the you know the attacks that he got but also you know he, he was you know he was told his book was blasphemous and I think mine would probably be the same thing um, but then you see how you know how, how yeah how inspirational he's how many people he's inspired and how many lives he's changed and that's what makes me realize like whatever fear I have if I just insp inspire one person if I yeah. change one person's life uh, through this book that's you know that's something to be hugely like I'm so proud but that's not the word I mean because that's about me I mean it's it, but I just mean that's something mm. you've done something for somebody else that's that's incredible um, yeah so I was gonna ask you how do you deal with the fear with the fear yeah I guess that's that's, that's it really is just trying to it, it, it's not it doesn't go away but it's just trying recognizing the reason you, it doesn't but it's recognize it's, it's, I guess it's walking hand in hand with fear um, and, mm. and recognizing what my whole journey is for like I say in my book Why? that yeah well I say that you know I, I always knew when I was younger that the first half of my life was about being selfish and doing what's right for me and that should never be considered selfish but that's just the way my unconscious mind you know yeah. portrayed it when I was younger um, but I, yeah but so I, I, I always said the first half of my life's about being selfish and I knew the first half the, the second half was about giving back I didn't know in what way and now obviously I understand it and that really is where it, what it's about is that I recognize that that is what I am here to do that's the path that I am here to walk mm. so if I have to walk it hand in hand with fear then that's what I have to do yeah. Um, nice. but yeah I think it's just just know that that's what that's what I'm here to do so I've just yeah. got to get on and do it yeah. basically yeah and really nice. um, um, another question I was going to ask you is what advice would you give to someone else who's going through such a shift from like working in the city to get yeah. more in touch with my advice for anything is for, for most things really is one day at a time like mm. um, one day at a time one thing at a time you that know diets are big you know changing your diet to a more healthy conscious diet is I, I had to do that for my own health yeah, and it's it really is it, it's so like um, it's funny that isn't it it's, it's, it's daunting like when you look at like oh I've got a, I currently eat all of this and I need to get to a place where I eat all of that you're like how the hell am I going to get there so it's one thing it's like change one thing at a time you know add one extra thing at a time it just, it, it's just that one step at a time thing don't be too hard on yourself don't beat yourself up allow yourself to make mistakes you know mm -hmm. and so I'd, I you know I would I would extend that to, to, to the bigger journey as well um, yeah, it's nice. just yeah just just trust, try to trust yourself because that's one of the hardest things I think we all find as humans. Yes. Because <laughs> um, we've been taught not to, that our society teaches us not to trust ourselves, um, not to be ourselves, not to, not to do us, you know? So it is, it's, I think it's just trying to, it's just trying to connect a little bit and, and start to listen to the voice. And, and it's difficult because there's the voice of the ego and there's the voice of the soul. But I think you just need to know that if it's anything that's negative or it's telling you you can't do this or anything like that, that's the voice of the ego. So it's trying to connect and listen to, to, to the voice of the soul. And the way to do that really is to, is to find quiet time with yourself. Because again, we live in a world where everything's so full on the sensory overload that we spoke about earlier. Um, you know, we, we all have these negative thoughts, so none of us, we don't want to be alone with those negative thoughts because once we start to face them, whoa, you know, like, where's that going to take us? But we do, need to, we do need to sit and face those thoughts at some point. So even if it's tough, and, it, and unfortunately this journey is, like, 
any journey, of, like yeah. the journey of change, the journey of self, I should say, it is a tough journey. I'm not going to sit there and lie and tell you it's easy and everything. Yeah, I'm glad you said it's that. Not. <laughs> it's, it's not. You know, it's it's a hard uphill struggle. But there's so much beauty on the way. And if you take it back, we spoke about trekking a mountain. Everest was not easy, but yeah, the beauty yeah. on the way was, you know, it was, it was, it, it literally takes your breath away. So, and you know, the place that you get to, you know, when you've reached that summit and that sort of feeling of like, oh, I've achieved this. So I think, yeah, taking that back to the to the journey is it is an uphill struggle, but there's so much incredible stuff on the way and mm. the incredible stuff and the beauty is you mm. you know it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> but but that's you know that's what it is you've got you've got to filter through some of the crap to begin with and there is going to be crap and yeah. the crap is yeah. those negative thoughts and and, and, and all that, that comes it. we all have it but yeah what comes once you've reached the other side of that and change is a is a, is a very difficult thing and i think we get um we get very set in our ways because we're comfortable. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's actually the easiest time to change is when, when things not, are really bad. Yeah, yeah because yeah, then true. you're just so desperate for anything. We just, have, we just have to look at Brexit and like Donald Trump as president for that. Do you know what I mean? That's happened because people are so desperate for change because they're not, they're not happy with the way things currently are. So they end up just going, just give me anything. Just give me something that's different. But, you know, we do that even ourselves, you know, so when, when we're desperate for change, it's easier to do. But when we're comfortable, and most, you know, a lot of the time we are just comfortable plodding along in the way that we are, and then we convince ourselves that we're happy with that. Um, and it's very difficult. I mean, we've discussed this ourselves today with our own journeys. It's, it can yeah, be difficult yeah. to, to make that decision to walk into the unknown when you're comfortable in what you're currently and doing. unknown is unknown. It is unknown. It's, it's exactly what it, it, it does what it says on the tin, right? <laughs> but actually, you know, when you do walk into, I know that from my own journeys, yourself, when you do walk into that unknown, if you've got a yearning to walk into the unknown. Sounds like you've done that quite a lot. I have, yeah. yeah, I have. And it's all been incredible. Yeah, There's not a single time. regret for any of it. It's all brought me to the most amazing, beautiful places. Yeah. and the, the grow, you know, the growth within myself, and yeah, if you've got any kind of urge at all, any kind of thing that's that's making you want to step into that unknown, even if it's small, even if it's a tiny inkling Compared to the fear, to the fear, yeah, because the the fear and, and that comfort that you talk yourself into, but I'm comfortable here and the fear, like you say, but if there's something that's making that's making you want to do that, there's a reason for that, so you need to trust it because what's going to come on the other side of that, you know, once you walked through the fear what's going to come on the other side of change is going to be something incredible mm. there's no way your soul is giving you that little inkling mm. to take you somewhere if it's not going to be something that's powerful for yeah. you so it's trusting and like again it's not an easy thing to do but it's it's the one step at a time and just hearing the voice and you maybe you don't have to take that big step into the unknown to begin with maybe you just take the little steps and little you know the, the little the little yearnings of the soul and then you can see what comes from it and it makes you like, oh, that recognition of like, oh, do you know what, I did that and this came. So then you start to build your trust with it a little yeah. bit more. And, and next, thing yeah, you know, next thing you know, you're taking that great big, yeah, exactly. great big adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no looking back. Nice. Really, really nice words. I like it. Thank you. Better than blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think, oh, I just have one more question. Sure. And that is, what does freedom mean to you? Oh, freedom is everything. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, freedom is freedom is everything that we miss in our normal, in our in our daily lives, in our society. We're not free. I think we're told that we are, and we we you know we have this set up that we believe that we are, but we're we're so not. We're so far away from being free. And it was something you know. I've actually written something like this in the book um, yeah. when I was when I'm doing the introduction to it and saying when I was in um, Hong Kong and I was working as a stockbroker and. You know, I had that fear of change and then suddenly I, I went travelling and, and I had freedom for the first time but it wasn't just the freedom of time constraints or not having a job to go through it was the freedom for my soul to be able to do whatever Whoa. I wanted to do it was that, Whoa, it was that <laughs> it's the freedom of, 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 of my soul to be able to express itself in whatever mm. way it wanted to do and that I, I can't even put that feeling into words mm, that's and all of our souls want to do that and this is what we, we live our lives with um with these boundaries and these constraints um you know and and every time you know the soul doesn't want boundaries or constraints the soul wants and needs to be free and every time we put a boundary that's what that battle that internal battle that feeling of like you know that anxiety that comes up within us that's it's mm. almost like the battle of the soul versus you know, who, who, the, the, the lives that we are like yeah, living okay. is, yeah, the, the battle of the soul versus the battle of, I don't know, I can't think of, I can't think of the right words to put that in, but that, that, that horrible, it, I, I can feel it now as I'm talking yeah. about it, yeah, that resistance and that, that anxiety. Mm. Um, mm. So yeah, when you, um, you'll know about it when you, you know, when, when, when you start to walk that path that your soul wants you to walk, you'll never, you, you know, you'll never feel freedom like it. And when you feel that, you 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 won't want to look walk back. You just you really won't. You'll never want to look back over that shoulder. Um, wow. There's there's not a single day that I have ever ever looked back at my old life with any form of regret. I know that I'm walking the path that I'm meant to be walking. So, yeah, freedom is everything. Wow, great last <laughs> word. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much for the interview. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, no worries. I definitely feel very inspired. I'm oh, good. No. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do. So, <laughs> as I say, if only one person feels inspired, that's, that's good enough for me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.